Didn't we do the same thing for Tenet? <laughs> it's not my fault that a lot of movies do the same soundtrack these days. It's Hans Zimmer. So Hans Zimmer tends to do what Hans Zimmer does, which is... <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls, elephants, and dinosaurs. Yes. If you're a chipmunk, get out of here. We are Couch <laughs> Theater. We are today, uh, we are... <laughs> we are an improv comedy group, and we're struggling with our act. <laughs> we are reviewing a movie, you may have heard of it, Dune. Dune is an adaptation, a live-action adaptation of the best-selling science fiction slash fantasy... Look, man, I think labels and nonsense don't, don't jump on me about this. I think Dune is more fantasy than sci-fi, but I've only actually read the first book, so whatever. <laughs> it's an adaptation of the best-selling book by Frank Herbert and then his son and other people. Dune. Yes. Yeah, it will be interesting to review this with you since you, you've you actually read the book. and I came, Only the first one. <laughs> I came into the movie five, ten minutes late. We both so. came in because apparently I can't read times, so... Uh, it's been a while, so I don't remember. I remember, like, some of the overarching things that occurred in the book, but not specifics. I have, like, gone mm-hmm. back and, you know, spark notes to refresh my memory. I tried to come in, letting let the movie remind me what happened, and then I will go and fill the blanks mm-hmm. in, which is what I sort of did. But, yeah, about this movie. Let's talk about production first. Yeah. The visuals, they're stunning. They're magnificent. They're amazing. The most amazing visuals ever. I don't even know what accent I'm doing. But Trump. I think Trump. you're doing Trump. Oh, oh no. <laughs> well, that's how he is. You know? Oh, I didn't Best even, visuals. I didn't even realize I was doing that. Oh, that's terrible. Cut, cut, cut it. Um, no. I was going to say at this point, like, I've become so impressed. Like, I almost don't want to get jaded about this, but, like, the, the visuals in the movie, I'm like, these are amazing. Like, mm-hmm. like not just, like, the classic, oh, the, the good visuals. Like, no, these are actually amazing. Like, I look at it, I'm like, I believe this place exists. Like, I see everything, and it just, it all makes sense. It all looks just as real as I want it to be. And, like, that's a theme with a lot of, like, these kind of fantasy movies these days, where, like, the visuals and, like, the props to, like, all the CGI and effects people and costume, like, they're really doing a kick-ass job when I see these things. Mm-hmm. Like, even when I hate the movie, I'm like, it looks freaking amazing. So, yeah. Honestly, I can't remember seeing a movie in the past year where I'm like, oh, the visuals are kind of whatever. I probably have, but I don't remember them. They're forgettable movies. <laughs> um, man, the cast lineup, though, was huge. Uh, super stacked. Which like, is like a bunch of... Um, honestly, the main character... I know he's he's not an unknown actor, but like for me, I don't really know him. Mm. He is actually the most unknown person for me in that list. Yeah, like it was harder to... Find actors that you didn't know yeah. versus the ones you did know. Like, wow, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, even Stellan Skarsgård. I know he might not be less, he might not be as known, but like... He's not like a name I know, but he's like a face I remember. Yeah. yeah. But I couldn't, I couldn't for the life of me tell you what he's in. I just know that. I, I, I recognize you. You have a thought, though, about the music. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Hans Zimmer. I like his music. I've listened to Time. Too many times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, okay, there's this trend that's happening. And while I'm saying, like, the visuals are amazing, it's like, the audio is grating on my nerves. Because the same thing happened with Tenet. And it's happened to a couple other movies that I struggle to, like, remember one right now. I don't dislike the soundtrack. I could probably download it and listen to it. But the soundtrack is actually taken away from the movie. Like, it's too loud. You go into a scene and then it's like, Oh, pretty visuals, and then the music starts. Even without dialogue, it's too much. It's like I'm in the theater and I feel like I need to plug my ears right now because the music is getting too loud. But then it's worse when there is dialogue because there are genuine points in this movie where I cannot hear what the characters are saying because the music is overshadowing it, and that is a problem. I shouldn't need closed captions to watch your movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that until you mentioned it. The thing I noticed about it was that it was more like atmospheric music, mm-hmm. which is, I also think is a trend like Blade Runner 2049, uh, the Revenant, you know, John Williams, star Wars, right? Yeah. It's just, let's blast everything. And it's like super dope, super 
Super cool. I also like atmospheric music. I'm just noticing that it's a trend lately to kind of so have it Maybe sublime. I'm misremembering Star Wars, but I don't remember at any point, like, the music. Like, the music is definitely there. I notice the music. Yeah. But, like, when things are happening, the music is very much in the background, right? Oh, so, uh, I, I guess I'm not talking about the loudness of the music. Okay. I'm talking about the... The mu- like it, it's an orchestra, right? It's Duel problem. of the Fates. It's not just like you know someone string down like pulling yeah. some guitar strings. It's actually well, a whole soundtrack. Whereas Dune and some other, like like Blade Runner forty nine specifically has more atmospheric music, where mm-hmm. it it might be super loud and in your way, but it's not like music that is necessarily all that complicated. Okay, right? yeah, it's just like mood setting, maybe a mood yeah. setting, yeah, yeah, and. Once again, I would enjoy the music if they just turned the volume down, yeah. like, several notches. Um, so that's, like a, like, a minor gripe I have. I mean, it's whatever. I can still mostly hear what they're saying or read their lips or, like, I don't know, get subtitles or something. But it's, like, I, I just notice myself, like, the movie will be going and I'll, I'll, I'll like, lean forward because I'm, like, I can't hear what they're saying. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of not hearing what, they can say, what they're saying, mm-hmm. I came into the movie, what, 10 minutes late? At the point at which I came in, by the I guess, spoiler alerts. Um, okay. <laughs> if you don't know what we're about by now, you know, that's reasonable. We've released like five episodes. But <laughs> there's no non-spoiler talk here. I can't yeah. even begin to describe how much I cannot talk about a movie without going into what happened. So just, unless you have seen the movie or you don't care about <clears throat> spoilers, get out of here. But be sure to... Like, comment, subscribe, (laughs) rate, do all the fun stuff, you know, promote us on social media, join our Patreon, we don't have a Patreon. (laughs) I'm completely jaded. So, what was I talking about? (laughs) No, no, I just derailed you, so... Um. Okay, yeah, we came into the movie a little late. Yeah. Um, And the point I came into the movie, Paul, the main character, started talking weirdly to his mom with some, like, commanding kind of voice. Yeah. And I was... It didn't work. And then she just passes him the water. And I'm like, surely there's a polite way to ask for a cup of water. What have I missed? Which I now understand is the voice. But yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, that, that's something that would be weird for you. Because I just came in and I was like, oh, they're doing the voice. Okay. But like you were talking about how the music was so loud you couldn't hear them sometimes. I just sometimes didn't understand what they were saying because there there's so many names going around. There's a lot of names and there's a lot of like that, you know, the old child movie, there's like this voice that's like when he's having the visions and sometimes there's something like talking and saying oh, strange things. Like and a like, witch whispering. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, I don't know who this is, what they're saying, why they're saying anything. After having gone back and like refreshed my memory on what the hell is happening in the series, that makes sense to me now. But I'll say that I don't know if I'll call it a poor job, because I think the movie is, it wants it to be confusing, right? It's not trying to explain that to you, but I think that maybe that could have been clear, because watching that movie, I was very confused of what was happening there, and I had to go remind myself of what was happening. I guess I don't know if it should be that unclear. By the end, yeah, I get it, sort of, but... I mean, I could explain what's happening to you, if you wanted to know. Or maybe you just want to watch the second movie. Uh, yeah, I just want to watch the second movie. <laughs> His movie is weird to talk about because it's like one of at least two parts. It's, it, the movie kind of ends. And mm-hmm. I have a random tangent to go on. Is movies and TV shows in my head. And this is this is just completely in my head. When I watch a movie, I want a movie to be one and done. A movie, extreme, a contained package of a thing. And if something is going to drag past that, I kind of just want a TV show. TV show tends to have a lower, a connotation of like lower quality. But these days, I think we're probably moving past that where there's some pretty high quality stuff out there. So I'm like, if you're going to tell me something in two or three parts, like just break it up into a miniseries. Give me four or five episodes and I'll watch it. Like I don't want to go to the theater and then be like, I I guess I'll come back to the theater when you release the second one. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just being weird. It's just not something I'm super into. I see two parts to it. I see... (laughs) I imagine producers are like, we can make more money. Let's make more movies. They probably can make a lot more money. At the same time, I also see writers probably thinking, I need more time to develop this character and make him more relatable. Yeah. So it's it's kind of tough. I That's why we talked about uh, a few episodes ago, we talked about The Green Knight. Yeah. That was good because it, 
the story was very much enwrapped with it within itself. Yeah. You didn't really need to say, okay, I'm going, I need to find, you know, the Easter eggs for a sequel that's coming up. I mean, it's just one artistic vision, yeah. one story, all encapsulated. Go. So many movies these days are just trying to build, you know, a universe. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, the, the DC Universe, the the horror one. They were trying to build the horror. Yeah, they were trying right? to build a horror one. And as as much as I love all the Marvel movies and stuff, I do. I kind of just like a movie to be a movie and, yeah. and not have to worry about it. which. To some degree, the Marvel movies achieve, right? Because, like, mostly the movie is the movie, and then it's like the after credits and stuff that try to link everything. But yeah, that was just like a weird thing I noticed that I wasn't super happy that it, there was a sequel. Okay, so let's talk about uh, world building, because I think you have, you've read a lot of fantasies and whatnot, you've read a lot of different people try to create an interesting world for you and i know that like what time of wheel wheels of time is like one that you wheel really of like. fortune wheel of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think about the world building in, in dune i mean dune in general or in this movie <laughs> let's you can bring both into play let's start with i think the world building of dune is extremely well done i mean it's a classic for a reason like even the wheel of time Dune definitely came before Wheel of Time, and I can definitely see the influences of Dune in the Wheel of Time, mm. right? So, it's, it's spectacular, like, if you delve into it, like, he's built a very, very rich world with a very, very complex history and yada, 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 so I don't really have a problem with it. A-plus job, in terms of, like, how much, like, how well the movie conveyed that, I guess I'd ask you more, like, what do you think the world is like in this? Like, oh. what, what were you able to glean about the world? Because I enjoy that it's not, it's not on those, they're not giving you tables and tables of explanation or exposition about stuff yeah. like the movies like I appreciate a movie that thinks you're intelligent enough to figure stuff out what were you able to pull together yeah. about the world from the movie so although I found it confusing at times because of all the names and stuff I will say this it is a complex world so yeah. I appreciate that we'll talk about the politics later I thought the politics was interesting so the world building is intriguing and I appreciate that despite its complexity it did not treat me like a dumb person I also think you mentioned something very interesting about it, that it it's a blend between sci-fi and fantasy. I'm I'm sorry, guys, that I always bring this up, but Star Wars... <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> like, Star Wars is another example, and I heard there's some similarities there, but, like, Star Wars also blends sci-fi with fantasy, right? And it has the Force. I thought the voice is a very intriguing idea, because whereas Star Wars has more, like, telekinetic powers, right? Uh, where you're moving things or creating things... Um, this power of the voice, right, is gives you direct control over another person, right, over their will. So, hmm. is it, I don't know how much I want to say about this. I don't think this is a spoiler. There is no magic per se uh -huh. in Dune, which is kind of a contentious thing when there's like people that you're just talking to you and making a move. But like within the universe of Dune, there is no magic. The Benny Gesserit are not using magic they are just highly trained and they've been basically breeding they've been running a breeding program where you know imagine this world where humanity has spanned galaxies and whatever so people have developed and evolved in different ways and there are different traits and they're basically running this giant breeding program where they're selecting traits from people that they want and then they very very intensely train themselves to do specific things and then breed those people and then over over thousands of years so like everything they're doing is not necessarily magic it's just from a layman's point of view basically looks like magic when she just makes you do something or like knows your what you're thinking but she's not actually doing magic interesting okay <laughs> i'll i'm sure there's more to uncover there it'll yeah. be interesting but i guess from the movie perspective it is it feels like a fantasy yeah. a bit, and it's blending those elements, and I think that's a cool thing, because I don't think protagonists usually have a power where they can submit their will onto another person, because that's generally seen as a bad thing. Right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but that only weeks on the works on the weak-minded. Oh, you those know? poor sudden fools, those peasants. <laughs> Let's just wipe their memory. <laughs> um... Okay, I'm interested to see here maybe if there's like a, based off of the voice, it triggers some sort of psychological thing in a person. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, I'll have my theories later. Yeah, I guess we're not really talking about the plot per se, because 
other than the politics, which are interesting, I don't have a lot to say about necessarily the progression of the plot, I'm starting to realize. Like, I, I found it interesting. So, this is me and my relationship with Dune is same thing, reading the books, same thing watching the movie. Uh, the movie was, you know, visually stunning and all that. And in terms of the world and the politics, I always found Dune interesting on an intellectual level. I appreciate what Van Kerbert and his son and all the other people who have written in this universe are doing. I think it's interesting. I just am not interested. I come to a book or a movie primarily for entertainment. And like, I'm not necessarily getting entertainment out of doing it. I'm just getting a very, which is, which is almost a very like hardcore sci-fi type thing. You read like the Foundation series and some of like Isaac Asimov stuff and it's, you're not necessarily like gripped and intrigued by like the cool fun plot stuff that's mm. happening. It's just like, he's exploring an idea and it's, an interesting exploration. It's it's more of an intellectual stimulation then, than than yeah. a emotional stimulation. Yeah, I think there's this idea I was thinking of like very cold and very warm stories. Tenet is a very cold story. I'm not gripped by the characters. Right, the characters aren't like they're not trying to pull me in and get me to love them or anything like that. It's supposed to be about the concept, the idea. The main character is called protagonist. Yes, yeah, I mean we have our problems with Tenet, <laughs> but like at least what they're going for. He he doesn't want you to like necessarily be directly invested in in this guy's day-to-day or like whether or not he gets with the girl or whatever and the same thing here the way frank herbert really digging deep into my memory but the way i remember reading dune i I don't necessarily care about paul he's pretty bland and like what he's doing is interesting but like i'm not supposed to be like oh man i'm on this guy's side ride or die and similarly with uh, denise Villeneuve's like style of movie he, he it's very like it's very cold, right? Mm-hmm. At least that's how I felt. It's like, interesting things are happening, but I'm not necessarily chanting and cheering for these characters to do anything. Yeah. The pacing definitely reflects that to me. Especially, and I think movies can have a hard time with this. They might have a need or a feeling or a desire to rush to a certain particular plot point, right? Yeah. Like, a big thing happens. Like, I don't know, Master Ugwe dies. Actually, that was really well done. But you get the idea. There's like, someone dies, right? And so the the plot wants to rush to that point because that's the hard-hitting emotional point. Yeah. Whereas I felt with Dune, at least with the movie, it's taking its time. It's not going to rush through to hit the emotional points that happen, like the, the coup, the actual coup that happens and stuff like that. It, it really takes its time to, to establish the characters and, like, explore more of the world, right? Yeah. Actually, now that I'm thinking about this one, this is very interesting. So, I, in my head, in my own self-definitions, I think of uh, a cold story more as um, as a more plot-focused story. Mm. Like, so, Tenet's a very plot thing. While I think of Dune as a cold story, like, it is a plot-focused story, of course, but I think in the books and in the movies, they, they let you sit there. You can just sit with the character. Like, how often do we get to just sit with the characters, sit in the world, and, like, just breathe and experience it without something happening? Hmm. What would you define that as? Yeah. Because, like, in my head, I'm like, when you have a story where you're very invested in the characters, you can have scenes upon scenes or chapters upon chapters where nothing necessarily is happening. The characters are just being themselves. And because you're invested, you you know, you're in it, you care, you, you dive in. And I think if you're not invested in the characters, you can't do that. You have The plot has to be happening. I think the pace was relaxed, but I think they somehow managed to make it so that there was always a plot point being yeah. hit, so it didn't feel like you were just chilling. I think I recall like hearing this, when you break down a movie, you have scenes ultimately, right? Yeah. Each scene needs to satisfy one purpose or more, right? Yeah. And I think the difference between Dune and a lot of movies is where maybe scenes are being small scenes or what is considered a small or uninventful an eventful scene is rushed to a big scene. This movie takes its time with each scene and allows you to explore the the minor details that they set up for that character. Because if we break down each character, I still I feel like every character was consistent in their motivations and yeah. their behaviors, very down to the to the very small little things that they did. Right. Yeah. So and and I think that creates a much more holistic character rather than. Here's a character and his best friend dies. You know, here's a character. Here's how he eats bread. <laughs> here's how he drinks water. Yeah. So like, all these little things make a more interesting character in the, in the summation of it. Yeah. It's not that there's no 
quote-unquote slow or character-based scenes is that they do such a good job of making every scene do multiple things yeah right like you know th- there's a scene where he's sort of just like fighting with the the army guy the josh brolin gurney sure for training yeah, yeah for the training and really nothing actually happens there right he just but the scene does accomplish a lot of things it shows you that first he's that he is a competent fighter he's not just mm. a scrawny little boy and that he has a relationship with this person it kind of shows their relationship with each other gives us a bit into the Josh's character and like how he views it actually tells us something about the Atreides house as a whole and it's in my head I'm like this shows that like the people who work for them are like loyal and actually care about them um, it shows you the shields which is important for the thing like it introduces a lot of things yeah. and so what we're saying here is that Denise Villeneuve is a good director <laughs> yeah no it was good yeah this is a movie that's like comfortable in what it's doing mm-hmm. and Honestly, I think it, it hits it out of the park. It's so weird for me to say that, like, I love this movie, but, like, I don't... I'm not in love with this movie. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it's... We'll get to the ending, because I feel like the ending is what's problematic for me. But yeah, perhaps uh, we should not go straight to the ending? No, no. Let's talk not... about whatever we want. This is our part. Let's talk about the politics. Okay. Because we're kind of talking about world building. The politics... What do you think? It's interesting and simplistic at the same time. Because like when you break it down, it's actually a very simple thing that happens. It's the Atreides house is getting very powerful. The emperor does not like that. So he basically sets them up to fail by putting them in charge of something and knowing that the, Har- the Harkonnen house is going to 100% try to kill them. And they do. End of story. But then at the heart of it, like most plots are not actually that convoluted. It's a very simple plot mm-hmm. and he does it i'm trying to think again from like what a standard movie would do mm-hmm. or a standard plot i because this is written by it's actually a book i imagine if some there's some threat they the emperor might just act on on his own behalf and just try to do something about it whereas here it's more submersive there is one one thing that ties him into all of this which is the sakurads the the high-skilled fighters right Suck. Oh so, my god. Yeah. Whatever they're called. But aside from that, yeah. like, he delegates basically yeah. <laughs> to the Hawkins to take care of it, right? Well, because he can't do this outright. I mean, yeah. It's not even just that he's trying to be subtle because he wants to be subtle. It's that he can't not be subtle. Because he's he's the emperor. He's got, like, the houses, which are other quote noble houses, which what they'd be in a basic fantasy novel. Like, think Game of Thrones, the Lannisters and whatnot. You can't just outright go and start killing one of the houses. That, that doesn't fly. Like, yeah. <laughs> you but, want them dead, you have to make it happen in a non-obvious yeah. way. <laughs> uh, but like a, I feel like a standard movie might just do that. Like, True. okay, someone's too powerful, and I just happen to be super powerful, so yeah. I'll just do things myself. I definitely appreciated that, especially with all the names, so I guess I was a little bit confused here and there what the plot was. There is a lot of names, and the... Maybe I should watch it again, but I don't feel like it particularly slowed down to tell you, yeah. oh, this is this person. It's just like, you know, you pick it up or you won't. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like the House of Atreides seemed somewhat aware that this was not... Oh, 100%. But like, they but there was, they, they had political advantages, too, from yeah. taking it. They were like, I don't care as much about the spices. What I really care is about the alliance with the natives in that planet yeah. to do something. I, I forget what, but... There, I forget his first name, but Duke Leto, uh, the father, he knows he's being set up for failure, but he can't directly say no to the emperor. Mm-hmm. So what he's going to do is try and make the best of the situation. I mean, on all, like, front-facing, it does look like a gift, right? It looks like you've been given, you've been put charge of the spice, which is the most important resource in the yeah. That is kind of a gift, like, here, you guys are doing so good. Here, and it's just like the underhandedness of like, this is set up to kill you. So yeah. what the Duke is trying to do is like, let's make this not kill us and let's make this the opportunity that it can be. And like, I think Oscar Isaac does a good job of playing like the entire time. He he looks like he's a man who knows he's going to die. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that from him. Like he, he just, he's there and he's, you know, he's stiff and he's like, he's trying his darndest, but he's, he's he, yeah. knows, he knows he's being set up for failure. I guess, and part of the tactical and strategic part of it too, they're they're put into a land, a geographical landscape that they're not really 
you know, masters of, right? They come from uh, a planet of ocean, from what I understand. A more uh, luscious planet. A luscious planet, and they're put into the dune. Like, the men are not as equipped. It's a really good setup for failure. So I thought, like, putting them in there strategically weakening weakens whatever technological advances they have or whatever training they have, things like that. Yeah, take them out of their element, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess the layer beneath that is the Ben Gesserit, right? Because that, technically, what's happening with Paul is a layer of politics, too. Because you've got the Ben Gesserit, which is basically this secret cabal of witch women. It is sort of the, the summary way of thinking about it. And they're kind of like a, almost like a shadow government, right? Because to me, that, that was clear. But again, I've, re- I've read the books. Like, did you feel like these people are definitely running things behind the scenes? Or were you just like, what's this weird nun doing? <laughs> I think I'm unaware of how much they're running the scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're really... Because there's no... We don't see the emperor at all, right? No. But so, his, his influence is definitely felt. Yeah, so I, I need to know what the established relationship between the witches and the emperor is before knowing how deep... Yeah the behind the scenes goes yeah like do they work for him or yeah. are they controlling him yeah. or or are they working with else? him or something yeah. other relationship but i i could definitely tell yes when they told the harkin the harkomans not to kill the other two and he basically said yep would never try to do what i, I would never try to defy you <laughs> yeah that was like okay they have they definitely have some power there yeah. um i find the prophecy to be very interesting. I, I'm, a, I'm a big sucker for prophecies and chosen ones, but like I enjoy, I enjoy them to be flipped on their head, twisted, inverted in some way. Like I, I generally don't like it when it's played straight. There's a prophecy. There's a chosen one. Ha ha ha! Let's go and do the thing. I usually don't. I usually enjoy it when there is prophecy, there is chosen one, and then the story starts messing around with that. Mm. Uh, which even just from this movie, it's there's like little lines here and there that sort of tell you. He's the, uh, the Quitsack Hadarak, or whatever the title's called. And they mention that this is not supposed to be, you weren't supposed to have a boy, you were supposed to have just a girl. And like, there's definitely some politics here that makes you like, and he mentioned like, all these prophecies, I'm like, are these real prophecies? Or have the Bene Gesserit just gone around and like, basically just lied to a bunch of people and like, indoctrinated and be like yeah there's absolutely a prophecy right i mean i know the answer to that question but the movie does it, like <laughs> it looks like they're doing a lot to make sure a prophecy comes true uh, it's uh, i don't even believe there is a prophecy okay <laughs> well, from from my i guess amateur eyes to the story <laughs> novice eyes it feels like there's a lot of work being put into making sure the prophecies come true Ah. I don't know. We'll see. That's yeah, a prediction. we'll see. It's like, so that's your prediction. There is a prophecy, but like they're, maybe they're trying to force it or interpret it the wrong oh, way or something like that. I'm thinking they might even make the prophecies. I mean, again, I do know what the answer is, but uh, trying to put myself in just the mind of just reading that line when she's talk, basically talking to Jet, the, basically the head nun, is talking to Jessica. It, to me, that sounded like, yeah, we just make this entire shit up. Because she also said, we've paved the way on Arrakis for you and your son. And then... Uh, there are other candidates. There are other candidates. And then Paul at some point says, they just believe this because you've taught them to believe this. Which all to me sounds like, whether... I, I, I don't believe anything you're saying, basically. <laughs> mm, interesting. All what we're saying is we like the politics. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, uh, it's uh, definitely intriguing. It like, makes you want to know like more about how all this works and what's happening. Yeah. I will say something problematic about the movie, mm-hmm. not about the st- book, about the movie. Read the books. <laughs> the ending. I understand there's an emotional layer to it, but um, having the, I guess, last fight or what presumably feels like the antagonist for the first story be a rando guy, a rando native fighting him um, was anticlimactic. Honestly, the movie is a weird take. I feel like the movie could have gone on for another 30 minutes, or it could have ended 30 minutes ago. I mean, it's still weird to talk about this movie because I'm like, there's going to be a second part, and really how I feel about doing this adaptation will largely depend on what they do in the second part, but it's this felt like an odd spot to end. But what felt to me like the emotional climax, emotional climax was 
his father dying and like them, you know, getting out and trying to survive and all that stuff. And then the movie just sort of goes on for another bit. And then they're in the desert and they meet yeah. the Shai Halud or whatever. That's the giant worm. And, and then they meet these people and then they fight them and he kills them. And I'm like, okay, now we're going into the sequel. I'm like, okay, can you maybe give me another 20 minutes so I can have like a proper resolution or you can just like not have done any of this? Can, can I throw in an interpretation that I have yeah. of what happened? Um, just to show that I understand, or I think I understand, what the director's going for. So I think he gets visions about the girl and the girl stabbing him, right? The girl being Chani. Yeah. Which, by the way, any Zendaya fans who came into this movie being like, I want to watch Zendaya, they're probably upset. <laughs> <laughs> they will have to wait for the sequel. Yep. But she stabs him with the knife or with that blade, right? That special blade. Yeah, the one that's made from like the worm tooth. Yeah. And in this movie, she doesn't actually stab him, right? But he actually stabs someone else with that blade. Yeah. Now, I managed to hear something <laughs> amongst the witch whispering at one point, And I heard something about killing someone else is killing yourself, basically. The idea that when you, if you go, you know, on a path of revenge, for example, you dig two graves. Okay. Right? My interpretation is that that vision was fulfilled because by killing his opponent there, which seems to... He never killed anyone before. They made that clear. He is now, in a way, killed himself. Okay. Okay? So that vision of her stabbing him is being fulfilled. And so, you know, there's uh, something there about, you know, taking life and him starting on some sort of path of perhaps darkness. I don't know. It's something there. Interesting. It's it's a prediction. It could be super way off, but based from this director's choice to end it there, I have to feel like there's something important about taking away someone's life, about him journey. Because this, he's basically accepting to be king now. That's the motive that I got from it. He's like, we're going to stay on. Jessica tells him we need to get off planet, and he makes a decision to, to stay. To stay. He he's actually displaying an active. He's displaying activism. By that, I mean he's being active. Yeah. And he's choosing to make decisions and stuff like that. And he now killed someone. I mean, he's been active all, all the movie, though. Yes, that is true. Yeah, I think he just chooses to go. So, the way uh, I... More of a leadership, maybe, I should say. Okay. Because I guess that is a very metaphorical way of interpreting that, which might be what Denise Villeneuve is going for. I guess in my head, I just... What he sees does not always happen the way he thinks it, it's going to happen. He sees possible futures. like Because he sees that scene of him walking through the cavern with Zendaya. He sees it like five different ways. He walks through, she kisses him. He walks through, she stabs him. He walks through, they meet someone else. Like He sees that same scene happen. I might be misremembered, but I think he sees the same scene okay. a bunch of different ways. I think he just sees uh, possible futures. Interesting. Um, and this is not fantastical. This is... Oh, yeah. I mean, like... Don't tell um, me. <laughs> obviously, like, this guy is seeing the future. There's nothing non-fantastical about this. But, like, within the Dune universe, it's all, like... This is all just genetic breeding. And, like, we're basically bred this ability. <laughs> Interesting. And the spice has a... Because the spice is also, like, a... What's it called? Not only is it a fuel, it's, like, a psychoactive drug. Basically, like, when you consume the spice, that's why he's, like... He starts having the visions more when he's... Mm. He doesn't because the spice, like... Basically, it, like, awakens or flares that up or something like that. I, so what I'm getting from this is that I'm way off. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I don't know don't that it's way off. Like, I genuinely don't remember that. Like, I, I remember the book in, like, overarching things. Okay. I don't remember specifics. I don't, I don't even know if okay. this was in the book or wasn't. Like, I don't even remember that much. <laughs> My interpretation of the vision then for now will be that he killed himself by killing someone else. And this may be leading down to a dark path for him. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, to me, I saw that as like, because he's been having all these visions of like, you know, this basically this war and taking the Fremen and like conquering. That's what it seems like, right? Like he's he's with the Zendaya, they're conquering, they're fighting, they're destroying stuff and whatever. So it seems like he's having visions of basically becoming King Fremen and like using them to like get revenge for his father or like take over the world or something of that nature. And to me... What was the interesting choice, like, like choosing to stay in the desert was almost like saying, 
yes, I will pursue this. Mm. I think that's what the prophecy is supposed to be. Like, that's what the Fremen expect, right? Someone's going to come in and take them out. Oh. And he's having visions of, like, basically it being... Because, like, it doesn't look good. Like, it looks pretty bad. It's from the way he's acting. He doesn't seem to like it. So he's actively choosing, yes, I don't necessarily like this, but I'm going to do it. Okay, well... All this to say, I understand that there's an emotional significance to this yeah. ending, but it still felt... I mean, he killed the guy, it's, which is... That he... Actually, this is the guy... He's actually had visions of this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy helped him. The guy helped him in the visions, but in real life, he didn't help him. He fought and killed, so like, something. So like, I guess if we're going with the, like, he can see potential futures, there was a world in which you guys got along and we're best friends. And in this world, you didn't. You just fought and he, you killed him. Still feels a bit like a lackluster place to end. Oh, 100%. It felt weird. And, like, the, the visions and stuff were 100% confusing. Like, most of it is, like, me going back and, like, trying to figure out, like, okay, what the hell was they trying to do? And while watching the movie, not really remembering really anything about the book, it was just, I was just confused. Yeah. But it's... I mean, it's hard to kind of... There's a lot of information... To portray, yeah. like, how do they explain to you, explain all these things to you? Like, the movie does do a reasonable enough job. Yes. That, like, the mother is teaching him about this, these things and stuff like that, which can tell you that, okay, this isn't some, like, super mystical random magic, that this is something that's taught in some way. I think the movie does a good enough job trying to, like, hint at sort of the world. There's, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. That there's a lot of text in Dune and like it's basically it would be impossible to adapt all of it and like pull it off um we've kind of covered some of your predictions but what say some key things you took away from this movie that you, you think are good themes yeah ah uh, what was the point of this movie to uh, set up a sequel <laughs> it, does, it does feel that way a bit um theme 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 well I know what the theme of Dune is well, what I think the theme of Dune is, you should be wary of uh, charismatic people and pr- chosen ones and prophecies mm. and stuff like that because probably don't just follow someone because people told you to follow the person. But I don't know what the theme of this specific movie is. So there's a conversation with the father, Duke, and Paul in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he's like, they're talking about him taking up, becoming a king. And, you know, Paul doesn't really want to. And he says, you know, this is a decision for you to make. Yeah. It's up to you whether you, you become a, a leader or not, right? It, it seems like this is a story about him becoming a leader, right? Yeah, I guess. After everything we said about him killing and then you, you mentioned how like him staying is to actively choose to accept his destiny or what seems like a possible destiny. Yeah. Yeah. But is that is that a theme? That's my, like, I'm trying to think of like what's. What's the movie trying to tell me? I don't know if the movie's actually telling me anything. Uh, Which is not to say it's a bad movie. I just can't. I think it's more just saying I'm struggling to draw out a theme. I need to write, be forced to write an essay on this. (laughs) Destiny is a choice. Okay, I mean, that's like the obvious (laughs) on your head, like destiny and like free will and like choices and stuff like that. But... There's usually sub-themes and whatnot that I'm struggling to pull out anything right now. I mean, it also says something like gluttony is bad. The Harkonnen, however you pronounce that, they're they're a pretty gluttonous uh, house, right? The main guy is, like, overweight, stuffing his face and, like, can't even move anymore. He needs to, like... Which, by the way, if they have this technology for getting people to float, I mean, it's obviously super expensive, but... I would imagine there are more people. At least some of the richer people are using this thing. But yeah, he's like basically a glutton. And he floating around and like basically excess is bad. Because like that entire house is just excess, right? Even when he when he thinks all the Atreides are dead, he's like, yep, go to the, go back to Arrakis, kill all the Fremen, and like let's basically squeeze it dry. So there's that. <laughs> Which is... Could be a theme. <laughs> I think I'd have to watch it again to get it, to find more themes. Because that, like you said, we both think it finishes in an awkward spot, yeah. right? So obviously there's more depth to it to come. And a lot of this one was me just seeing him like slowly accept who he is. Yeah. 
right? And, like, the idea that you make your own destiny, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I'd have to watch it a second time to gain more thematical elements from it. Well, stay tuned for Dune Part 2. Uh, uh, I guess we could talk about some smaller stuff. Jason Momoa was in this movie. He... Jason! Existed. Minor thing. It's when he was fighting all those people and killing them, I just sat there for a second and thought, my criticism right now is going to be completely unfair. Because I love me a good, you like, lone swordsman. Oh, this one guy can take out ten people because he's just so skilled and whatever. I can read a good book about that. I can watch an anime about that. But for some reason, once you put that into live action, I can't help but look at it and just be like, this is comical, right? Like, there's no way this guy fought 20 people. I don't care how good he is. <laughs> These are trained soldiers. They 100% killed him in the first five seconds. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I guess when you add realism. Yeah, something about the live-action medium. I mean, obviously, different mediums like just naturally come with different levels of suspension of disbelief. And live-action, it screws with some of that stuff. I can't get past it. <laughs> I wonder what your thoughts are on Ipmon. Donnie Yen? Uh, I, think it's, ten karate guys. I think it's fantastical. But because he's doing all the like Wing Chun stuff, I'm just like, oh, it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, but in my head, I'm like, there's no way you follow these things. It, it, it is more <laughs> believable when the person is actually a martial arts expert. Yeah. Maybe not that it's not doable. It's like in Ipmon, because they're so focused on the technique, mm. you can like see him using this technique to take down people. Mm. And while it's obviously like you're like, you have to suspend your disbelief enough, they give me enough to go. Whereas this is just, he's swinging his sword and yeah. they're swinging their swords. And I'm not necessarily seeing any specific technique. I'm just seeing that there was 10 people and they, not somehow they, none of them managed to stab him with their sword. Tangent, <laughs> explain this to me. I knew there were explosives. And then I saw swords, and I assumed you have swords because people have shields. Yes. But Paul does bring out a pistol or a gun of some sort at some point. I think it's one of those bee shooters. Don't quote me on that. Shoots like bees? The, the bee thing. Like that stuff that they used to kill the dad. Oh. But like, I forget what it's called, but like the stuff that just goes okay. and keeps drilling until it gets through. Okay. I assume that's what he was holding. I'm actually not sure. What happened, by the way, to... The bodyguards. What bodyguards? Like uh, Josh Brolin. Presumably they all died. They didn't show it. They didn't show it. So, like, I mean, you know, if you don't see a body, maybe they're still around. Okay. Presumably they all died. Okay. (laughs) Same thing with uh, Jason Momoa. For some reason, I was just like, I don't believe you're dead. (laughs) I don't know why. I just don't believe they signed Jason Momoa up to die. Something about the choice of actor. I just did not believe that character was there. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so many A-list actors to kill off. Yeah. It's kind of um, Infinity War of them. I can't say we don't see his death because we definitely see... Oh my god. When he stood up after being stabbed through the chest, I was like, okay guys, calm down. <laughs> you watch anime. <laughs> That's the thing. Is like I watch an anime, I'm like, oh yeah, you get him. And in the movie, I'm just like, okay, please. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about the characters? Like, how do you feel about Paul? How do you feel about the mother? How do you feel about Duke Leto? Paul was good. I think sometimes you get princes that are just absolutely rebellious. Or you get, like, princes that are absolutely by the book. Yeah. Um, he felt like a mixture of two, torn between two. Like, and, and it's interesting that he has two birthrights, right? And he's, like, a leader, born to be leader, but he also is born to have this super powerful voice. Yeah. Um, and so between, I guess, the concubine and and Duke, he has a little bit of this self-discipline, mm-hmm. but he also has a little bit of, not necessarily by the books, he want, he, like you said, he was active. He, was, yeah. the, he would take steps on his own, to do something, he will learn about a culture on his own. He will, add, he wants, you know, he wanted to go and be a part of the war to save Jason Momoa because he imagined Jason Momoa dying. Yeah. What do you think? I found him, like most fantasy protagonists, very, very milk toast, which is my new favorite thing to say. But I mean, they're just bland. Not bland as in he doesn't do anything. Like, he's an active character, he does stuff, but like, 
he's not like bursting with personality. He's he's okay. I don't dislike him, but he's just sort of there, um, and he does. He's almost like a, a funnel for the plot. He has that weird thing where he's learning, like he knows how to do the framing stuff already. Like he's such an expert at it, which the movie kind of shows like he's done some research in their culture. I'm also like, okay, well, you have had visions about this guy teaching you. So is that like a weird thing where like you're seeing possible futures, but you're actually getting information from your visions of possible futures? That would be kind of broken. <laughs> uh, I think he did. I, and other characters were good too. I liked Duke Leto. I enjoyed that. he. I mean, it was a minor thing, but like when he said, you know, obviously I want you to take over the house and all that, but if you decide you don't want that, you're still my son and I still love you, basically. Just sometimes it's just nice to see a good father-son relationship. Yeah. And just, it's like, yep, that's a good dad. And he's got a good son. Yeah. Good job. Um, the mother was interesting because I didn't know if I was supposed to trust her. So I thought she was going to be like really cold. And like, the moment I learned she was like, Benny Jesuit, I was like, oh, she's probably going to be like really cold, really like reserved. And so she's very emotional. It like surprised me the first time. I was like, whoa, what are you doing? And then I was like, oh, I guess... I don't know why I assumed you would be cold. <laughs> really, nothing about the text told me you were going to be cold. I just assumed you were going to be cold, and you're really not. But I still don't know, like, what she's about. Lady Jessica. I Yeah, she's interesting, because she is, in many ways, a good mother, and I think, in some ways, also a bad mother, it seems. Like, because she has that struggle of, like, this is my son, but also, this is some prophecy boy. So... Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, most of her emotional displays are when she's alone. Like, when she's around people, she's actually very reserved. Mm. And it's when she's, like, you know, outside the door when, while he's doing that stuff that she's, like, clutching in her stomach and dry heaving whatever she's doing, which I thought was a bit overacted. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember in the books if, like, it's because she's, like, scheming or something that she had a son or... If it's because, like, Duke Leto wanted a son. Like, I don't actually remember why. But that in itself I found fascinating. The fact that just a little tidbit that they dropped there. It's like, you were supposed to only have daughters. Which tells me that she can control what she's going to have. Like Wait. She, yeah, because, like, she was not supposed to have a son. That means that she has control of that. And she chose to have a son. Which makes all their weird powers really weird. Right? Whoa. Okay, like, <laughs> I never understood. It's like, huh? How do you control... Yeah, I think that's the thing with them. Like, It's like basically breathing onto like they have like really specific folk, weird control over their body and like weird control over weird stuff. <laughs> mm. Like I, I think it's also like when they say the truth say or something like that. It's not that she can like read your mind. It's that just she's just so freaking perceptive that she can tell when you're telling the truth or not. Mm. And like when he sticks his hand in the box for the pain thing. It's not like the pain stopped. It's that he started controlling himself and just stopped reacting to the pain. Oh. Which is like, so you have, you're supposed to have that much control over yourself, which is, I mean, there's one thing to say you can ignore pain. It's another level to say I can choose like which chromosomes are going to combine and like whether or not I have a, a daughter or a son. What else can I choose? Can I choose if they're blonde or not? Or like, how far does this go? <laughs> You know who we haven't mentioned at all? Because right. he got very, very little screen time. The doctor guy? Dave Bautista. Oh, yeah. He was in this movie. He was! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sort of seems weird that they hired such a high-profile actor and really nothing came with that. I guess they're probably going to be in the sequel. Yeah, he wasn't back there when they got poisoned, so he's still alive. He's still kicking. And the Harkonnen main guy is still alive, so... And that was right now I think about it. Yeah. Usually when you hear like a high profile actor, you expect them to have some screen time, but he, I don't know, he, sh he showed up once, he yelled, showed up another time, he cut some people's heads off. That's about it. That's about it. Yep. So what I'm getting from this is overall, good movie. It's more plot and world building focused, more intellectually engaging. Yeah, I would say for the movie, trying to separate the movie and the book in my head. Okay. For the movie, I would say that I loved... The spectacle of the movie, like the visuals, the, as much, the music was too loud. Yes, we've talked about that, but like the music, the visuals, everything was nice. I enjoyed the, the ride it took me on. I enjoyed the hints of the brighter world I was put on. 
that is what got me through the story. Like I wasn't particularly engaged in what Paul was going to do next. Mm. I was more thinking about how will this play out? What is the plan of the Bene Gesserit? Like, what are they going for here? How is this going to work? Like, those are the things I was thinking about. Those are the things that I want to know, which in my head is a failing of a movie, a book, or anything. I should care. I think I should care about your characters, but obviously to each their own. And I think that the movie ended in a spot that left me more annoyed than anything. I was annoyed that this is where the movie ended because I was like, you're sequel baiting me. Stop sequel baiting me. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, but, I agree. But overall, I thought it was a very, you know, beautiful, well, all the uh, superlatives for like a well done movie and stuff like that. Yeah. And I would, I guess this might be more the book, but I really respect the amount of thought that Goat went into yeah. making sure that the characters are consistent, each one having their own, even if I'm not necessarily emotionally attached, I can still see that they're there's motivations, there, there's flesh to, to their character, yeah. and, and the politics was good. I can see that a lot of thought went to it, into it, is what I can say. Yeah. I mean, that's there's, not all necessarily all the book, right? Because we yeah. have lots, there's lots of examples of yeah. great books that turn into very, very terrible yeah. TV shows. So the fact that they were able to, like, adapt it well is a testament to yeah. them. <laughs> it, it just feels like sometimes, you know, in some Hollywood movies, they feels like maybe they spent a weekend writing the script. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know. you know, I always feel bad saying that because I know that there were probably months and months and months of people working on these things. And what probably happened is that people worked on it. And then as happens, you, you do your shoots and then you send it in and there's editing and people give feedback and they're like, nope, this can't work. This needs to change. It goes up. It comes down. They yeah. make edits. They make changes. And like in the process of like refining, not even refining, just like making changes, it's just like stuff starts to break down. And you just end up with like, from what I understand, it's like sometimes you end up with like the, the editor and stuff like that. They just have scenes. And it's like maybe they've re-recorded some lines, but not reshot. And like you just end up with like, honestly, when I think about actually what goes into movies, I'm surprised that we're able to get movies at all. So I'm like, this seems like a goddamn nightmare. <laughs> I, I would say that is definitely the case for some movies. <laughs> there are still some movies, I feel like. <laughs> I mean, you honestly... put a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there are probably some movies that are just uh, <laughs> a, a little bit phoned in. But yeah. I mean, honestly, sometimes even like some of like the best movies and everything, when you get into like all the behind the scenes stuff... You're like, holy crap, this is a freaking yeah. the clown show. How did they how did they manage to get anything reasonable out of this? <laughs> anyway, how would you rate Dune? On uh, we need to pick like a fun fun way to rate movies. What key on the keyboard would I'd, you give Dune? Key on the keyboard? Yeah. I was gonna say I wouldn't rate it as sand. Okay. Because I hate coarse. sand. Because <laughs> it's coarse. <laughs> uh, what key on the keyboard? Yeah. Or maybe we can rate it in terms of one of the Star Wars movies. You yeah. go first. I'll give this a solid Return of the Jedi. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. Um, I, I'd actually give it a new hope. Because okay. a new hope... It kind of fits. They're both the first yeah. movie, I guess, in the story. The best thing about this is that we probably internally have different ways we rate these movies. <laughs> <laughs> A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Excellent. And now, for the ad break, uh, this, this video is brought to you by... Manscaped. Oh my god, those ads are freaking hilarious, man. They're just so... They're just so bold. Get your manscaping today. <laughs> Did you have a different one in mind? Uh, <laughs> brought to you by Windows. 11. XP. No! <laughs> no! Oh my goodness. Alright, goodbye. Get out of here. <laughs>